Hey everyone, Pastor Alex here. I just want to take a moment and welcome you to the Sunswept Baptist Church podcast. Our vision at Sunswept Baptist Church is to be a church where everybody is somebody and Christ is all. If you're interested in visiting our church or getting more information, visit sunsweptbaptist.org. Amen. We'll go ahead and be seated. It's great to see you all here this morning. Go ahead and take out your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. So we are on the last Sunday of a series we've been doing uh, talking about Advent. And you might wonder, what is Advent? It's a word that's thrown around a lot this time of year around Christmas time. And all, all Advent means is arrival or the coming of Jesus. So when we talk about the Advent of Christ, we are saying Christ came and he arrived here. Now you might say, okay, that's the story we hear every single Christmas. Why are we rehashing this? Why are we talking about this again? Well, the reality is, I think for many of us, When it comes to Jesus and Christmas, he stays a little cute baby boy in a manger, and we leave off his entire life that he lived on our behalf. You see, Christ came, he lived out God's design for our lives perfectly in every way, but then he went to the cross and he bore your sin and my sin on himself so that we could be reconciled to God, so we could inherit eternal life and be God's children. So when we talk about Advent... It's not just little baby Jesus in a manger. It's his whole life. The inauguration of our king, him coming and purchasing our freedom, saving us from our sins. So it's a lot more than just Christmas decorations and a cute baby in a manger. Advent means salvation for you and I. And so today is the last day we're going to be talking about this. And the word for today is peace. Peace. How many of you feel like you actually have peace in your life right now? You know, when I was thinking about this message, I was just curious. um, What what are some antonyms for peace? Some opposites of peace? And uh, good old Google came in clutch for me. Conflict, discord, war, noise, unrest, upheaval. Do you feel like that describes your life? Unrest? Noise. Some synonyms of peace are harmony, calm, serenity, stability. Which, which of those lists describes your life more? Would you, say, would you say your life is full of peace, full of God's peace? Or is it maybe resemble more noise, unrest, upheaval? Are you experiencing the peace of God? You know, when I think about peace, the very first thing that comes to my mind is when my senior year of high school, my senior trip or my senior gift or whatever from my family was, we took a family vacation out west, and one of the places we went was Yellowstone. And I remember walking on this trail at Yellowstone National Park and just thinking, man, this place is so peaceful. There's virtually no noise. It seems virtually untouched by human hands. This place is so peaceful. And I want to know, how can we experience that peace in our everyday lives? Because I don't know if you've noticed recently, but there's a lot of noise, isn't there? There's so much noise going on in our world. There's so much unrest, so much upheaval. How do we experience the peace of God in everyday life? Well, the good news of Advent is that Jesus came so that we can experience 
ongoing peace, vertically with God and horizontally with the rest of creation. And that peace doesn't doesn't mean that everything's going to get better. That peace is not based on circumstances or situations. That peace is rooted and grounded in the grace of God in our lives. And so kind of the main point for this morning is that Jesus gives us peace. Jesus gives us peace. And that's where we're going to pick up here in Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. It says, On that day, when evening had come, he, being Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side. So he's with his disciples. They've been doing ministry all day, and now they're going to get on a boat and go across the Galilean Sea. Verse 36, And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea and said, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray together. Father, Many of us are not experiencing peace in our lives. If we're being honest, our lives are marked by anxiety, worry, noise, unrest. That's not your design for us. So God, my prayer today is that you would move in such a way in our hearts that we would experience true peace. Peace that is not circumstantial, situational, but peace that is everlasting because it's based on who you are. So God, make us a people of peace today. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. There's a few things I think we get from this passage, and the first one is that Jesus cares. Jesus really cares for you. Now, just for some context here, the severity of this storm that came up, this was not just like a little thunderstorm that came through the Sea of Galilee. Because of where the Sea of Galilee is located, it's below sea level, and so it's not uncommon for massive storms just to whirl up out of nowhere and be absolutely terrible. Now, one other thing is most of Jesus' disciples were experienced fishermen. So they would have been used to this. They would have been used to this storm to come up and kind of know how to navigate something like that. So the fact that they were as scared as they were indicates to us that this is a particularly dangerous situation. And so it's kind of easy for us, hindsight's twenty twenty, looking at this and say, how can you guys have no faith? You're with the Lord. This is Jesus you're talking about. How can you have so little faith? But just put yourself in the story here. You're on a little fishing boat in the Sea of Galilee, and out of nowhere this storm comes up. Massive waves are coming into your boat. Your boat is taking on water, and it's got no signs of letting up anytime soon. And the Messiah, who you've just seen do all these miracles, is just downstairs taking a nap. What would be your response to that? Your life is on the line. Well, I don't know about you, but I would probably have the same response as the disciples. Lord, do you not even care? We are about to perish. What I love about what Jesus does here is he still saves them. Even with their lack of faith, he has enough compassion and cares for them enough that he still saves them. You know, if I was Jesus, he's done a bunch of miracles at this point. And if I was Jesus, I might have gone out and find a new 12-person 12, 12 group of disciples 
I would have been a little tired of dealing with the disciples' lack of faith. But he didn't, did he? He stuck with them because he cared for them. What a countercultural thing in our world today to stick with someone even though they've done something to you, even though they've, mis- they have n- they've uh, betrayed you, all of these things, even though they don't trust you, Jesus cared for these people. And in the same way, Jesus cares for you. We've all had times in our life, we've all sinned, we've all rebelled against God, we've all lacked faith, but Jesus still cares for you. We often forget, though, don't we? We often forget the care of Jesus in our lives. We forget his authority. We forget how he's been there for us through the hard times, through the good times. We forget all of those things. And that's what I find so interesting about the disciples here. They were so forgetful. They had just seen all of these incredible miracles, all of this amazing things, and then they're still wondering, Lord, why are you going to let us perish? And we see kind of a thread throughout Scripture here that we as people are forgetful. Do you feel forgetful at times? I know I feel forgetful at times. You can just ask my wife. I can be very, very forgetful. I mean, the people of Israel forgot what God had done for them and would complain in the desert. Abraham was forgetful and forgot that God had promised him that he was going to be the father of many nations, and he went and mistrusted God and tried to, I don't know, you know, save himself and forget his wife. We are forgetful people. We forget things all of the time. But Jesus still cares for us through that lack of faith. Where our faith lacks, Jesus remains faithful where we struggle, where we have hard times, Jesus is still there caring for us. During hard times, um, when the storm comes up in your life or you feel like things are just crashing in around you, it can feel like you're isolated. It can feel like you are all alone. It can feel as if no one is there with you. But what we see here is that Jesus cares for you and is with you. There was one time Bria and I were hiking kind of close to where we used to live, and we had this bright idea for me and her and her little sister, Kara, who was about 10 years old at the time. We had this bright idea to hike down to a waterfall, spend the night by the waterfall, and then hike back out. It was a grand idea. So we loaded up our backpacks, we had our hammocks, we had it all squared away, and about an hour into our hike, I see a bear cross in front of our path. So I looked at Bria, and I said, stop, there's a bear. And she thought I was kidding, so she was like, yeah, right, whatever. It just kept on walking. And then two more bears crossed about 25 yards in front of us. Now, I don't know how much you know about bear safety, but the number one rule when encountering a bear is not to run. Do not run. I guess Bria forgot that rule in the moment because she immediately hightailed it out of there, started sprinting away, and left me and Kara just standing right there. So then I was, I was in a predicament because I've got this 10-year-old here and myself, and I know you're not supposed to run from a bear because they will chase you. But in my mind, I was like, well, Bria's already running, so at this point, I might as well start because I don't want to be here when they start chasing her. So I picked up Kara and all of our stuff, and I sprinted out, and it was all good. Everything ended up fine. They did not chase after us. We were super scared, of course, for a little while. But, you know, Bria just up and left us. Now, I give her a hard time. We still give her a hard time for that. It's all in good fun um, that she left us for dead, but it's okay. But here's the thing. I think a lot of times we feel that way in life. 
that maybe the bear has come across the path or the storm has come up or you've gotten really bad news and all of a sudden you're there by yourself all alone. And I just want you to hear that in those moments, even if you are physically alone, like there's no one physically there with you, you are not alone. Jesus cares for you. He cares for you during those moments. He is with you during those moments. And you might say, well, how? How is Jesus with me during those moments? Well, the care of Jesus in our lives today is seen in two primary ways. The first way is the Holy Spirit. You see, all of us who have placed faith in Christ for salvation, the Bible teaches that we are all indwelt by the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 says that Jesus is going to send us the comforter, the encourager, which is the Holy Spirit. When he leaves, he would send that to believers. And if you've placed faith in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. Jesus did not leave us alone. Jesus did not leave us hanging out to dry. And in fact, he told the disciples, it's good that I leave you so that the Holy Spirit will come. Scripture's clear that anyone who's placed faith in Christ for salvation has the Holy Spirit living in them. And that Holy Spirit will comfort you and encourage you even in the darkest of times. You are not ever alone. But then the second way that we see the care of Jesus now is the scriptures. When you get bad news, when life really hits you hard, it can kind of feel like you're reeling, can't it? Like your mind's running a million miles an hour, like it's going every which different direction. You don't know what to do, which way to turn. We need something to ground us. We need something to remind us of the faithfulness of our God in the darkest of times. And where does that come? The scriptures. The right place to turn when you feel alone in a dark place is the Bible. Why? Because we see story after story after story after story of God's faithfulness to people who didn't deserve it. We see the continual love of God towards people who didn't earn it, who didn't do anything to deserve it. And so for me, just as a normal person, and you just as a normal person, when we are experiencing hardship and we don't know what to do, we need these reminders that God is still with us and he has not forgotten us. The same God that delivered Israel from Egypt, the slavery in Egypt, is the same God who's with you now. The same God who's with the early church in Acts is with you right now. He has not left you, but you will not know that in those times unless you dig deep into the scriptures and let this sustain you. And the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures work together to encourage you and comfort you during the most difficult times. But then also, when those times hit, sometimes it's hard to know what does obedience even look like? How do we respond to tragedy? How do we respond to really terrible, hard situations? The Bible tells us how to do that. The Psalms are full of difficult, hard things where people are struggling internally, experiencing tragedy, and will walk us through how to go through those times. So Jesus cares for us, not just theoretically or kind of like, yeah, I care for you guys, have fun, good luck down there. No, he sent us the Holy Spirit and gave us his word to guide us and encourage us and comfort us during the storms of life. And the result of that is peace. The result of that is peace. Your peace cannot be circumstantial. Your peace cannot only exist when everything is going good in your life. Because if that's the case, your peace will be like this, won't it? Because one day things can be going great, and the next day things can be going horrible. 
Your peace must be based in something outside of your circumstances. And what we see here is Jesus has given us a way to experience peace through the Holy Spirit and through his scriptures. So the second thing we see is that Jesus has authority. Jesus has authority, and the example of that here is creation. He has authority over creation. I love Jesus' response here. He says to the storm, peace be still. Isn't that amazing? He's out there on like a little fishing boat, and this massive storm is rolled in, and he says, peace be still, and it stops. That's amazing, isn't it? It's absolutely amazing. Incredible. So once again, don't forget the severity of this storm. It wasn't just a little rainstorm. It was a big storm. And Jesus said, peace be still. still. And I think at times in our lives, we react like these disciples before he did that. Like, what are you going to do? Are you just going to leave us out here hanging out to dry? But here we see the authority of Jesus coming through and saving his people. Peace be still. And then look at their response here in Mark chapter 4. At the end, in verse uh, 41, they say, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? The authority of Jesus. Jesus has authority over all things. He's in charge, whether you choose to acknowledge that or not. That means when the boat is sinking, when things are falling apart, the right one to turn to is not this world. The right one to turn to is Jesus. Because he has authority over all things. Meaning if you look somewhere else, you're looking somewhere for peace that has no authority to give it to you. When we look to the things of this world for peace, we are looking for them to provide something for us that only God can provide. God is the only one who can give us true peace. There's a commercial floating around on YouTube that it seems to come up like every time I watch a YouTube video from that company Verbo that does like the, like the Airbnb style, you know, you go rent a house or an apartment for your vacation instead of staying in a hotel. Um, it's really kind of, it's a popular thing to do. But their commercials always strike me as being very interesting because it kind of like fades in real slowly, these super calming nature sounds. And it's like, this vacation will give you the perfect peace, the peace you've been looking for, the memories you've been wanting to make. If you just come to this super expensive lake house and spend time with your family, all of your dreams will come true. That's kind of how they market it to you. But here's what we all know about vacations. If you took your family there, might you experience peace for a little while? Absolutely. It's a lot of fun to get away and spend time with family or friends and go to the beach or go to the mountains like Yellowstone. But you know what the worst part of every vacation is? you got to come home. You have to come back to the craziness, don't you? You don't get to stay at Yellowstone forever. You don't get to stay at the Verbo forever. So it's kind of a lie. When Verbo tells you, you'll experience peace if you come here, you will momentarily, but that peace is not going to last. Because you might stay there a week, two weeks, but at some point, you're going to have to come back to reality. That this world is broken. That your life is broken because you're a broken person and we are full of broken people. You're going to have to come back to reality at some point, and that peace, if it's based on circumstances, will be gone. So how do you experience the peace of Jesus? What, what are some steps you can take to experience peace that is not circumstantial or situational, but is based on who God is? The first way is this. Humble yourself under his authority. We see the authority of Jesus all through this passage, that he's the one in charge, that he is at the helm, he's in control. So the right response for us as people is to humble ourselves under his authority and relinquish control of our life. With you at the helm, bad things normally happen, don't they? 
I know when I am doing whatever Alex wants to do, when I'm following all of my own desires, the result is always more brokenness time and time and time again. But with Jesus at the helm, when I'm living out his design, it doesn't mean my life's going to be perfect, but I have a peace that surpasses all understanding that is not situational, but is there always. So humble yourself under his authority. And secondly is trust in him. Trust in Jesus. These disciples, when they're met with his authority, when you see the authority of God, the right response is just to trust him. Just trust him. He's got you. He's got you. Even in the hardest circumstance in your life, he is enough for you. He will sustain you. He will be with you. One of my favorite psalms, it's kind of cliche because it's cross-stitched on every pillow, like in every church ever, is Psalm 23. You familiar with that one? The shepherd psalm, where he's, he's portrayed as a shepherd, leading us through, through the dark valleys of the shadow of death, guiding us by the still waters, his rod and his staff protecting us. I love that because Jesus really is our good shepherd. He really is with you leading you, guiding you, sustaining you. The question is, are you going to acknowledge that? Are you going to live by his ways? He's, he's told you what to do to have peace. Are you going to do those things? If you keep looking to vacations, if you keep looking to your job, if you keep looking to relationships, if you keep looking to having you know, a better house with better security or a nicer car or whatever to provide you peace and fulfillment, you will never really experience peace. As long as we look to the things of this world, we will constantly need that next step of greater fulfillment, that next step of greater peace, and it will never come. Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, when you chase after the things of this world, it's like chasing after the wind. How many of you have ever caught the wind before? I know I've never caught the wind, not that I've really ever tried, but I would assume it's impossible. That's what it's like when you chase after the things of this world for peace. You will never ever attain it because jesus is really the only one who can give us peace because he has authority over all things so i want to end with this point here and that is that jesus purchased our peace jesus purchased our peace so why do we struggle with peace i mean i would say unilaterally this is an issue for you know probably all of us we all have some level of worry some level of anxiety some level of unrest or upheaval in our lives why is that I think the answer is found in that we're broken people, aren't we? We live in a broken and fallen world. And the natural result of that brokenness is going to be a lack of peace. A natural result of that brokenness is going to be broken families and broken situations and you being stabbed in the back and you stabbing other people in the back and all of this stuff is a result of our sin, is a result of our brokenness. So there's got to be a solution for that, for that brokenness. Because, you know, Scripture says that even our peace with God is broken, that there's now a wall of hostility up between us and God because of our sin, because of our brokenness, because God is holy and perfect, and we are not. We're not holy and perfect. And because he's a just God, there's a consequence for our sin. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. So why do we struggle with peace so much? Because inwardly, you were created for a relationship with God, and we mess that up completely. 
We rebelled completely. One author says that we distrusted the goodness of God, that we were in a perfect relationship with God. Everything was perfect, and then we as people said, no, 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 we don't want that. We're going to go our own way. And the result of that is that all of us now are experiencing a lack of peace in our life because we are living outside of God's design for us. But the solution is an advent. The solution is in the coming of Christ. John 14, 6 says that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus provided a way for our brokenness to be restored so that we could begin to live out God's design for our lives again, so that we could experience true peace, so that we could experience true joy and hope in our lives. Jesus purchased your peace on the cross. Because the root of your lack of peace is your own sin. You know, if I was to ask you a question and I asked you, what is causing you worry and anxiety in your life? It would be a long laundry list of items. It would be maybe my kids are causing me worry. Maybe my job is. Maybe my car being broken down. You, you could list probably 10 or 15, 20, 100 different things that might be going in your, on in your life that say, this is the source of my lack of peace. Well, I don't know how familiar you are with icebergs, but the interesting thing about icebergs is icebergs really only show about 10% of the iceberg. The other 90% is below the water. And so for you, those things on that list, that is like the 10%, that those things cause you massive amounts of stress and anxiety is indicative of a deeper issue in your heart. And that deeper issue is a need, an innate need for relationship with God and communion and peace with Him. And until that 90% is addressed, until your own personal brokenness is addressed, you will never experience peace in your life. Because that 90% is what causes that worry and anxiety. Listen, if you don't hear anything else, please hear this. That 10% that causes your worry and anxiety will likely never go away. It'll never, it'll never go away. One situation will be resolved, and another one is going to open up, isn't it? Because you're either going into a tragedy, you've just experienced a tragedy, or you're in a tragedy right now. So there's always going to be something. And so if we just address the surface-level issue, we're going to miss the real problem that you need a relationship with Jesus to experience true peace. And until that happens... Peace will always, 100% of the time, be circumstantial. When Jesus came so you could experience peace for eternity. And not just peace when you die and you're, you're fully restored, you've got your new heavenly body and everything's hunky-dory. Not just then, but right now. One of my favorite passages for this is Philippians chapter 4, when Paul says that we, have, we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's something that's talked about a lot, you know. God gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding through hard times. But what, is that, what does that really mean? That even when you don't understand what is going on, even when you don't understand why has this thing happened to me, God will still give you peace even when you don't know why you've gotten that medical diagnosis or why finances are so hard this month, God will still give you a peace that transcends your understanding, that is not based on how well you understand or can work through a situation. You can experience the peace of God. So here's where, where we're kind of at at the end of this Advent series. 
You know, the reason we've gone through it this way is because your understanding of Christianity cannot be relegated to just a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Jesus came and he grew up. Yes, the baby in the manger is so important. It's a crucial part of the story, but it's only a part of the story. Jesus grew up and lived in complete obedience like we were supposed to do, but then he went and died our death. He went and died and paid the payment that you and I deserved. But the good news is that he was resurrected on the third day, proving that he had conquered sin, proving that he had conquered death. And now because of that work, his death and resurrection, like I said earlier with Andrew, we can walk in new life, a new life that is marked by peace. Won't you want that? Don't you want a life that is marked by peace? In a world full of noise and unrest, don't you want to be a person that is marked by peace? If you're experiencing worry and anxiety, which I would be willing to bet is most of us, I would just encourage you with the words Jesus said to the storm, Peace be still. Be still and know that He is God, that He is in control, that He is in authority, that He cares for you, that He purchased your peace, that He is with you and has not left you. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. The holidays are kind of a double-edged sword, I think, for a lot of people. Because, of course, there's so much joy with Christmas. There's so much happiness that kind of revolves around Christmas. You know, the Christian radio stations like playing Christmas music like it's going out of business because they can only do it for one month a year. But really, it's a double-edged sword because it's hard for a lot of people too, isn't it? It's hard for a lot of people that maybe your loved ones aren't here anymore Maybe this Christmas is your first Christmas without your loved one that you miss a lot. Maybe this Christmas is really hard financially for your family. And I I would just tell you, I don't know the answers to all those questions. I don't claim to know the answers to all those questions. But I do know that you can experience peace this Christmas, maybe for the first time ever. And that happens when you place your faith, you turn your life over to Christ. That doesn't necessarily mean situationally you will change that your circumstances will get better, but positionally with God, you will be made a new person and that will provide you peace. So if you've never placed your faith in Christ, you can experience the peace of God today. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you want to experience that peace today, you just turn your life over to him as Lord. When Paul says, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, he's not just saying, you know, Yes, Jesus, your Lord. It's a turning over. It's putting Jesus at the helm of your life. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. And he says later in Romans 10 that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, regardless of your lack of faith in the past, regardless of what you've done in the past, regardless of anything you've done that no one else knows about. God knows, and he knew when Jesus was on the cross and he died for you anyways. Repent and place faith in him if you want to experience peace. Don't keep looking to the things of this world. And if you're a believer here, let this be a great reminder to you that the things of this world will not provide you peace. Don't look to the things of this world for peace. Go back to your first love that provided you peace, Jesus Christ, and let him be the source of peace in your life. The peace of God is not something that is only going to be experienced in the future, but is a present reality right now for those who have placed faith in Christ. So my prayer is that because of Advent, you can experience the true peace that Jesus came and purchased on your behalf for you to experience right now, not just after you die. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to have a response time.